Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello there, marvelous soul, exceptional, beautiful, and incredible podcast family. It is a privilege and an honor to be with you once again. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are happy, that you are healthy, that you are doing well. Sending you a huge hug through the airwaves. We have another amazing podcast for you today. We have the man, Peter Sage, and we have entitled this one. It's a really incredible story. Um, Prison Perspective and Prosperity in Earth School. So Peter has a very fascinating story. He is a leader in personal development. He is extremely intelligent. um, And we cover a lot in this podcast. Uh, We talk about uh, if we are living in a simulation, uh, earth school, building context for life, how we can use perspective, learning to shift context, life as a river, context is primary content, is secondary in levels of of thinking. David Hawkins' map of consciousness, the first step to evolving consciousness. We talk about egregors, if you've never heard of those before, corporate entities, um, his story about going to jail and what perspective he brought with him and and what he's done since. Uh, We talk about um, how to overcome fear, success principles, um, about possibility and belief. Uh, what else, man? The, the list here is so long. I can't go over it, but it, there's a ton of stuff in here. So I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I know you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please share the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing that you can do is one act of kindness today, not tomorrow. Go out of your way to do it. Give somebody a buck. Um, give somebody a compliment. Get somebody's name. That counts. Be a human being. If you give a homeless person money, be a human being and ask their name. See how they're doing. Um, these are all really important things that we need to relearn as a society. So um, if you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is one act of kindness. If not three acts of kindness, go out of your way to do it. Don't expect anything in return and do not tell anybody. Um, If you want to support the show in other ways, a share is great. Leaving a review in iTunes is pure gold. Please do that. It helps inspire people to choose this podcast over all of the other incredible podcasts. Um, so if you do think it's valuable in your podcast searching, please leave a review. This one is from my homie, Lau Maxon. Um, I think so. Anyway, it says Maxon17. And it says, up and coming mystic of the millennials. I have no doubt that Matt will become a major conscious influencer on this planet. His way of simplifying the universal laws, spiritual insights, and ways of human evolution truly shows his mastery in the field. Thrilled to listen to each and every one of these podcasts. Love you, Matt. Uh, so I appreciate that one. Um, and I appreciate all of you guys supporting the show, sharing, talking about it, leaving reviews, doing the acts of kindness. I'm getting more messages now of people doing the acts of kindness. It's the best thing that I want to see. So if you're doing acts of kindness and you say, hey, I'm doing three acts of kindness, Hit me up on Instagram and let me know. That's like the best thing ever because like that's the intention of this thing. We can all have these perspectives and thoughts and beliefs and multidimensional things and improving our lives and self-help and entrepreneurship and whatever. But, you know, it doesn't matter what that perspective is. If you do an actual actual action of kindness, you are making a difference. 
in that person's world, in your own world, in that very moment, regardless of what your beliefs are. So my favorite thing to see, um, if you want to support me on Patreon, I would love to receive that. And I'm so grateful for uh, my patrons for supporting. And you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and even tossing a buck in the bucket, you know, just thinking me as a busker, a podcast into your ears and souls. Um, so, uh, Tam Stafford, it could be Tom Stafford, but maybe it's Tam Stafford and Scott Hubbard. I really appreciate you guys taking a moment, going out of your day and, and throwing a buck in the bucket, um, and, and contributing to the work. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to all my patrons. Thank you to everybody out there. You're amazing. Uh, check out the, uh, email list. So go to mattbaylair.com, sign up for the email list. If you want a free lucid dreaming, just go forward slash lucid dreaming. You'll get a, an audio and an ebook to teach you how to lucid dream quickly and easily. Check out David Lonebear Senapass, lonebearsarts.com, Distant Ancient Echoes on Facebook. He is a Native American elder. He is the quote unquote sponsor of the show, a truly incredible being that I'm doing my best to support his teachings. He has technologies. Um, we're looking at doing a couple crowdfunding campaigns and we do need help. Uh, we need administrative assistance. We need benevolent investors. We need uh, anybody willing to do anything. Um, and so, yeah, any uh, support for myself or David would be appreciated because we're working a ton to bring out incredible stuff so a little bit of help would go a long way and if you want to contribute in that way web design graphic design uh, in any way uh, sharing it doesn't matter um, please please let us know and just go to matt at zenathlete.com and clifford and david clifford's a zuni elder we are happy to speak where you are just invite us um, you can go to matt at zenathlete.com as well and inquire about that for those of you guys who want some coaching the first thing that i'm doing more of right now is the heart journey uh, hypnosis activation to basically hypnotize you into your heart to find the direct direction of your heart, your life's purpose. Life purpose is direction. It's not a destination. And so this is a very powerful process to, to uh, uncover that. And also deeper coaching one-on-one. -on -one. Basically, you're going to learn all the best that I've learned in consciousness, spirituality, peak performance, Zen, personal development to identify a goal from your heart, how to achieve it, overcome limiting beliefs, install the beliefs that you need to get to where you need to go and getting all that unconscious crap out of the way and using peak performance and all these type of things to get there as quickly as easily and easily as you can, but doing it from a state of fulfillment where you are. So it's a lot, um, but there is kind of like a, I would say like a, a perspective, the most powering empowering perspective to pursue your goals and uh that's what i help with so if you want some of that just go to uh, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching um so i think that is it um i'm gonna leave it at that i appreciate all you guys in the world uh you know doing what you're doing being a part of this show uh trying to better yourself you remember that your whole complete harmonious perfect just as you are enjoy the journey you are loved you are taken care of and uh so before we get into this let's come into a powerful state of peace and coherence and spread that love and uh energy to the world so wherever you are just stop whatever you're doing and taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the self-limitations, all the self-doubts coming to full peace and presence now. Take another deep breath in through your nose and as you relax even deeper, imagine a golden platinum crystal diamond light coming down from the universe and pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you hold that breath and just fill yourself up with gratitude. Think of one thing you're grateful for. Maybe it's your eyesight, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your legs, maybe it's your mother or father, maybe it's a roof over your head. Just connect to one thing you can be really grateful for. Just let that breath out slowly, relaxing even deeper now and feeling even more grateful. Taking in one more deep breath in through the nose and just magnifying this feeling of gratitude that you're feeling right now. I want you to send that gratitude and that acceptance and love and encouragement to your friends, 
to your families, to your loved ones, to everyone you've ever met, to everyone you've ever interacted with, sending that energy out to everybody on the podcast, then out to your city and your town, to your country, to the world, and to the Milky Way, into all space, past, present, and future. And I'm sending you all of my love, support, encouragement, inspiration, and well wishes wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on another episode. I know you're going to love it. So let's get into it with Peter Sage. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a well-known international and serial entrepreneur, author, philosopher, and teacher. His unique way of looking at and relating to life has inspired tens of thousands of people worldwide to reinvent themselves. Whether by improving or turning around a business or developing a new and empowering psychology through practical yet profound shifts in awareness, he hopes his insights and teachings can offer something of value to those who seek it. He is also a best-selling author, recipient of numerous prestigious awards, philanthropist, and adventurer. Welcome to the show, Peter Sage. Well, Matt, thank you, sir. That's uh, quite the intro, but I wasn't expecting that, but thank you. Hey, yeah, no, well, I actually had to shorten that because I had the privilege to go through all the work that you've been doing as your knowledge is immense. You've been working with people all over the world for a while. So for those of you um, that are, that are going to be introduced to you, do you want to give them a little bit about your background, where you got to, like how you got to where you are and what you're working on now? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, first things first, exactly the same as everybody else, normal guy, you know, normal girl, that there's no... St- there's no illusions of superheroes on planet earth. Yeah. Unless you want to go to the cinema. Uh, and so, yeah, everything that I say or share is nothing more than somebody else who hasn't had the opportunity yet to be able to probably do that or it's not their calling. But uh, it's not because I've got special abilities. Uh, in fact, I dropped out of school at 16. I've got no formal qualifications and I started my first business at 17, which was selling toys on flea markets and car boot sales. And yeah, since then, that was yeah, just near enough now, yeah, 30 years ago, four decades, uh, getting on for three decades ago. I, um, uh, I've had probably 27, 28 businesses somewhere around there. Some have failed majestically. Yeah, some have wiped me out. And some have been uh, you know, multi-million dollar international success stories. Some should have stayed ideas when I was drunk and, uh, and everything in between. So for me, the entrepreneurial path has always kind of been my yeah, my thing. Uh, and you know, we all have a bit of a gift or a bit of a predisposition. It's not because I'm special. That's probably just more the area I was called to. And I say to people, you know, people say, oh, you're just natural. Well, you have some natural callings, you know, but that doesn't disqualify anybody from following the path. You know, you know, everybody can learn to play the guitar. Not everybody may be Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix, but everybody can learn to play. And so, you know, with dedication and focus, then yeah, the world's your oyster. So I, I was an entrepreneur for many years, but at the same time, at age 17, I discovered something life-changing, and it was the industry called personal growth. And the reason that changed my life is because you know, I got out of school at 16 because school taught me two things. It teaches everybody two things, how to pass tests and work for somebody else. And there's, there's no encouragement in terms of what makes people people, what makes us tick, what makes us get up in the morning excited, motivated, what makes us say yes when everybody says no, what, you know, what, what's the X factor of being human and how do you navigate that? Uh, and so I discovered an industry that was teaching you how to be successful by being better yourself. 
I'm like, whoa, hang on, time out. Where was that in school? You know, because that's what I wanted to learn. You know, not algebra, you know, freaking periodic table. I said, you know, I, I couldn't, couldn't spell that. So I threw myself into personal growth because I, you know, and I came across the quote that validated it from Jim Rohn. It said, formal education may help you make a living and informal education or self-education will help you make a fortune. And every spare penny I had, I, I threw it. It was my main hobby, my main interest, my main passion was what could I learn in the field of personal growth? And as a result of that, uh, those two things paralleled. My, my personal growth and my business success kind of went up. And yeah, I was you know, a millionaire in my early 20s. You know, I was driving Ferraris. I was paying cash for. I was flying Concorde. I was you know, staying all the places, all the toys, and massively insecure and unhappy because I was chasing a rabbit that was almost impossible for me to chase. And that is uh, a mistake I see so many people make these days, which is they're trying to chase the rabbit of achievement, uh, thinking by catching it, they'll win the prize of fulfillment. And what they're really doing is they're chasing the rabbit of fulfillment on the track of achievement, and the two are completely incompatible. Uh, so it took me a while to learn that before I had to grow out of the, the necessary yeah, journey of proving myself to the world that I was good enough to get over the insecurities of covering up the fear that every human being has, which is the fear that we're not enough and therefore we won't be loved. So that really then started taking me more on the, the, the level of consciousness journey rather than the level of knowledge acquisition journey. That makes sense. And, and that's what I do a lot now. I, you know, I teach business, but I can teach business my eyes shut. You know, I can teach you how to make money in your sleep, but yeah, it doesn't turn me on. What turns me on is trying to wake people up from sleeping awake and raising their consciousness in a way that allows them to grasp the game that we're in so that they can play it and actually enjoy playing it rather than resist it, bitch about the adversity that shows up in it, and then you know, not have a context for you know, how to play the game. So that's, that's kind of how I'd sum it up. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think you summarized a great amount of information in a, in a short time. Um, the last, last podcast I was on with Mark Gober, um, we actually talked about that same idea where um, Jim Carrey says, I wish we could all be rich and famous. Uh, so we know that that's not the answer. And, um, you know, you, you strive and strive and strive and get it. And then it's not complete fulfillment. And then you kind of veer and, and start to look at things a little bit differently. So do you want to, how do you want to start this? I'd love to hear about your wake up process, what you teach people, or even you have a new book, I understand. And we could go into what's in that book and some of the processes that you teach. Well, I, I think the first thing to, to do is, is really provide a framework of understanding or a context for this game of life. Because if you don't have one, you kind of default into the Darwinian mentality, the sort of Newtonian classic physics model of survival of the fittest, I'm a random mutation, and therefore everything that's not me has the potential to eat me, and it's a fear-based mentality. And so, yeah, I think Einstein said that, you know, the most important question a person could ask in their lifetime is whether they uh, live or don't live in a friendly universe. Now, uh, if you are a, you know, like me, I'm, I'm an inverse paranoid. You know, I think that the entire universe is involved in a hidden secret conspiracy to make me happy and successful. And yeah, I've, I've always had that level of relationship to life. But for most people who don't, uh, it's, you know, life's a drag. Life's you know, running in quicksand. Life keeps beating you up. 
And so I want to offer a context for understanding challenge and adversity. Because if you have something that's empowering for that, it changes the game. All right, I'll, um, I'll give you an example. All right, if you take school, if I was to say, hey, Matt, is the purpose of school to be happy? Nah. No. Nah, I, no, not, not many people yeah, that are delusional enough to raise their hand to that one. Now, does that mean to say you can't be happy in school? No, of course not. Yeah, but it's not the purpose. Now, some people say, well, the purpose of school is to get an education. I disagree, right? Your objective of going through the school system is to get an education. That's not the purpose of school. The purpose of school is to provide an environment where you can exercise better choices in relationship to getting a better education. And you have the free will to be able to exercise that in relation to that context. So you can choose to study, you can choose to show up for class, you can choose to apply yourself, and that will likely have one direction in terms of the outcome. Or you can choose to skip class, you can choose to you know, get drunk, you can choose to not revise, and that will likely have another outcome uh, in terms of probability for where your education will you know, progress to under that context. So once you know what the purpose of school is, you then have free will on how to apply yourself. But just for a moment, Imagine what would happen if you didn't understand or have a context for school. Could you imagine? You'd be, you'd be like, why have I got to show up every day? Why am I being given these tests? Why have I been told to sit down for an hour at a time? Why have I been told then to walk down the corridor and go somewhere? Why, why, you know, you resist because you haven't got a context. Now, once you have a context for understanding what school is and its purpose, then you may still not like the exam, but now you understand why it's there. Right? And if the teachers turned up tomorrow and said, hey, guys, guess what? No need to show up anymore. We've scrapped all the rules. No more exams. You're free. Do whatever you like. Everyone would go, way, great. Oh, and by the way, nobody graduates. Oh, hang on a minute. Well, no, I'm, I'm here because I want to graduate. Oh, okay. You get the idea. Now, I personally believe that you know, this reality, which if you study the latest in digital physics, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we live in a virtual reality. This is a computed based reality, right? It's and anyone that doesn't understand that or come to terms with that is just simply not looking at the current available data, right? So uh, if you understand that this virtual reality that we perceive through this third dimensional you know, avatar called a body through the medium of consciousness is here for a reason. Now, let's ask ourselves a question. Where do virtual realities come from? They don't pop out of nothing. Even physical realities, if you just want to keep your mindset at that level, it doesn't pop out of nothing. Yeah, science will be able to tell you what happened from the moment the Big Bang was you know, uh, enacted to one-tenth of one quadrillionth to a quintillionth of a second later. Yeah, 10 to the 34th power if people are interested, right? But we'll be able to define what happened at the yeah, subatomic level, at the molecular level, in the first few moments of universe creation, we, we've got it down. Our science, or sciences, right, which is predominantly physics, chemistry, biology, which you know, physics, the study of particles, chemistry, the study of molecules, and um, uh, biology, the study of cells. So that creates a rule set that this physical world that we perceive operates by. And what traditional science has done is limited its thinking to being able to master those three rule sets and then discount anything that happens outside of it, hence metaphysics. And but what happened before the Big Bang? Oh, we're not going to talk about that. 
is anything can happen outside of physical reality that isn't governed by the three sciences? No, 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 we're not going to talk about that. Oh, so what you're saying is give us one free miracle, which means the universe popped out of zero, and uh, we'll tell you why you're not allowed to have any more miracles. Okay, got it. All right, so, but if we come to the understanding that this reality was created for a purpose, and I'm not going to get into the religious aspect or dogma or scientific dogma uh, or any of that. If we understand or have a context that this reality is what I call earth school, we are here for a specific purpose. It doesn't magic itself out of nothing for no reason. What is the purpose? I'll go to five, you know, four, 500 million years of fossil records and it'll tell you the purpose is to evolve. What does evolve mean? It means to regenerate towards higher levels of complexity. Now, what is required for complexity? Right, you take an amoeba or a 50 trillion cell human being, and what is the difference? One word, cooperation. Higher levels of complexity require higher levels of cooperation. What is the ultimate extrapolation of cooperation? Love. If you want a reason why we're here, we're here to learn how to grow up so we can become love. That's not hypothesis. That's not esotericism. That's science. That's following the, uh, the, the logical trail. So if we're here to grow up, how do you grow? Right? You're an athlete. How do athletes grow? Challenge. They get better with practice. They grow their skill sets with practice, but physically you only grow through challenge. Yeah. So you go to the gym and if you lift weights, you know how to lift, you're not going to grow. Body's designed that way. But if you're busting out that last rep and your arms are burning and your muscle fibers are screaming up saying, for God's sake, stop. I'm being killed down here. I'm being ripped apart. I'm being broken down. Send pain signals to the brain. What the hell are you doing? But from the higher perspective of the athlete, you're, you know, you're busting out that last rep and you're very proud that you can't lift your arms for two days. So a lot of the time, the challenges in earth school is that we take the perspective of the muscle fiber, not the athlete. You know, we have a challenge show up. Well, what are challenges meant for? See, the strongest trees don't grow in the best soil. They grow in the strongest winds. So if you want to be a better version of who you are and grow your consciousness, pray for some strong challenges and don't bitch about them when they show up. But if you don't have a context for that, just like school, you're going to be complaining about why am I sitting here? Why have I got this test? Why have I got to show up tomorrow and, and study, you know, whatever it is. So knowing that we're in earth school, knowing that we're here to grow up, knowing that we grow through challenge allows us a different way of looking at the stuff and the adversity that will always present itself. Because without that context, Matt, here's what happens. We design ourselves by default into a comfort zone that we try to protect. All right? If I haven't got a context for school, I'm going to try to skip class. Yeah, so yeah, being able to understand that life will test you, you will go through certain levels of yeah, graduation events, as I call them. Uh, you will have adversity. And how you, yeah, it's not that you don't have it, it's how you react to it. And if you don't know you're in school, you're going to bitch about it. If you know you're in school, still doesn't mean you're going to like it, but at least now you understand it so you can grow through it. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, in training and doing athlete is such a good example for it because, you know, we know we're going to hit adversity. When you go through life, you know, you're going to, you're going to see challenges in skateboarding. It's 99% failure. It's a part of the process, but I think that we're conditioned to, to not think that failure is okay. are part of the process when actually, if you can change your, and that's the notes I was taking, just change your perspective on this is going to happen. I'm aware that it's going to happen. I can prepare for uh, it to happen and then enjoy it. I'm like, all right, what am I going to learn from this new challenge? How can I just enjoy that, accept it as part of the process and keep moving in the direction that I'm designing? So yeah, I love all that. Yeah, brilliant. In fact, I'll give you a, a very quick analogy here. And yeah, so see with a prop. All right, so take my glass of water. So what's inside the water is the content. What holds the water, the glass that it sits in, is the context. It's how you see the water. It's what holds it. So the stuff of your life, yeah, your, uh, your friends, your family, your car, your career, your interests, your clothes, your, the stuff of your life sits in the glass. How you see it in your mind is the glass. Yeah, with me so far. So how, this is how most people live their life. Now, in their 20s, they're still trying to figure stuff out. So they're stirring the stuff, trying to mix it around. Yeah, trying to figure out who you are. Uh, you, you know, what, what kind of foods do you like? What kind of, you know, is it blonde or brunette? Is it, you know, what kind of uh, career you like? What kind of hobbies you like? What kind of, you know, music you like? What kind of sex you like? All, all of that, you're, you're figuring yourself out. Early 20s, late teens, early 20s. You're changing all the stuff to figure out who you are. So by your 30s, there's kind of a pattern to it. Yeah, we now know yeah, who we are. Yeah, we've got a good handle on our own identity. But are we still trying to stir the stuff? We're we still trying to change everything. Are we just happy, totally, nothing needs to change? No, we're always stirring. 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. You get it. We're always stirring, trying to change the stuff of our life to fit pictures that are different to the pictures we're holding in our mind. Now, if we just wanted, let's say, blue. Yeah, we look at our life. It's so transparent. It's so see-through. I'm so boring. Yeah, I just need some color in my life. I need some blue. Yeah, my friends are, are driving around in blue cars, wearing blue clothes. They look so cool. I need some blue in my life. I'm sick of this yeah, see-through-me stuff. So you start to change the stuff of your life to blue. And you buy you know, blue clothes and drive blue cars and watch blue films and you know, eat blue food or whatever it may be. And what happens? Yeah, the water turns blue. Yay. How long are you happy for? Yeah, give or take 20 minutes. Yeah, you, you, you get the best goal of your life. Yeah, my first Ferrari I bought for cash when I was 25. Uh, and I thought that was it. I would made it. And two weeks later, I'm bored driving it because I thought it would make me happy. Yeah, hello, lesson. So what do I need? Oh, clearly I need a McLaren. All right, so yeah, I've got to stir the stuff more. So what happens is, you know, we get, we get bored with blue. We must have made the mistake. Oh, red, it's got to be, so we start staring again. Now, here's my point. If instead of spending all your time, effort, energy, trying to stir the content of your life, what would happen if I swapped that for a blue glass? What would instantly appear to have happened as to how I see everything inside the glass? See, everybody's trying to run around to try to be happier. And you know, if they are thinking that I need to get the stuff in my life different to what it is now in order for me to be happier. I have a better career, better bank balance, better job, better girlfriend, better whatever it is. Yeah, different this, different that. Whereas all you need to do is shift the context. Context is definitive. Case closed. Yeah, if you see, you know, if you see a, a child yeah, and a parent 
especially if you're a parent yourself, and you see this, you know, the mother grab the three-year-old by the scruff of the neck and drag them forcefully, you may have judgment about that. You may have some internal dialogue that casts a level of opinion that is somewhat derogatory or negative. But what if in a different context you saw that the, the parent had just dragged the child away out of the path of a moving bus and had saved that child's life at the expense of their own almost? you would have a different understanding. Same content. See, at lower levels of thinking, content is primary, context is secondary. At higher levels of thinking, context is primary, content is secondary. It's the meaning that we give everything that gives our life meaning. Yeah, two men sat behind prison bars, one saw mud, the other saw stars. The environment and our stuff in it never defines us. It simply gives us the opportunity to define ourselves. So, you know, I've been, I lived in Dubai for six years and I remember getting onto Emirates. I was flying first class on the A380, which I used to love because you could have a shower. It's got a spa. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and, and it's like almost like a double you know, room uh, with private doors. And as I was coming into my suite on the plane, uh, there's a, a family walking by and yeah, father got the hold of the kid. And it was a kid. It was um, uh, a local uh, Emirati kid was massively overweight, probably about 12, looked like they were diabetic already. And, um, and the attitude was, um, uh, oh, uh, uh, when am I going to get the, at that point, it was the new iPad Air, you know, because the, the iPad they've currently got isn't good enough. And it was a sense of entitlement, the sense of never satisfied, the sense of always, you know, wanting more. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, and they were walking down towards business class. And that was it. And, and the other kid was like, why are we going business class, not first? Right. And then I've done work in Africa where, you know, the kids are so, joyous because it rained yesterday yeah they're so happy to play because they found a, a weird shaped stick and they you know they're throwing it in the air yeah or they've got an extra spoon of rice yeah context is definitive and once you understand that the stuff of your life is almost secondary to the color of your glass then everything shifts and that's you know that's probably one of the most empowering lessons anybody could learn in life from what i say yeah, man, that's beautiful. I 100% agree. And if we have, I'd say it's kind of like um, you're, you're navigating a sea on a ship. And you know, you have the rudder and you have these things of the ship that you can change, but some days are going to be stormy. Some days are going to be clear. Some days the wind will be less. But I think through your consciousness is how you navigate that ship. She's like, hey, I know things are going to change, but these are the tools that I have to navigate this thing that I don't have control of. I have control of some things. I don't have control of other things. But mastering that context, I think that's a really uh, amazing um, ground floor perspective and understanding to have to continue on um, all the other things that come on in, in are a part of life. So maybe you can just continue on because that's, that's great. I a hundred percent agree. Well, I, I tend to, to not use the ocean so much as a metaphor because some people get lost on the ocean. Uh, what I tend to use is the river of life. And you know, because the, the, the thing with the river of life is every river winds, every river bends, uh, regardless of topography, you look at any river from an aerial photograph and it follows the same pattern. Now, if you want to understand the inherent majesty and the nature of that, you can read a book like Living Waters from by Victor Schuberger. But in terms of looking at the river itself, we, every, everybody knows rivers wind like a snake. The only straight lines you'll see in water are canals and canals are man-made and there's very little life in a canal. So when people are sailing down the river of life, right, 
they spend a lot of their time, effort, and energy, as you quite rightly say, trying to either fight the current, resist the current, or change the current. You have absolutely no right to do so. You have every right to try to put your energy into positioning yourself better in the current. And if all of a sudden you're heading downstream and you're heading south and your goal is south and you're looking on the compass and everything's rosy, and all of a sudden, what does every river do? <laughs> Left turn. Bend in the river. What do people do? Freak out. Why do they freak out? Because they were brought up in a school system that taught yeah, left brain dominance. Yeah, raise your hand, give the right answer. What's the fastest way from A to B? Yeah, oh, a straight line. No, it's not. The shortest way from A to B on paper is a straight line. That's as far as that metaphor goes. In life, life is a nonlinear construct, a nonlinear process. Therefore, there are no straight lines in nature. Therefore, if you think that the fastest way to your goal from A to B is to charge straight at it, go figure out the last goal you did that with and it worked out. No, what happens? Something out of left field comes in, a bend in the river shows up. And yeah, if you think that driving A to B in a straight line is the fastest way, then great. Go out of your front door and try driving to work or the gym in a straight line. Not gonna happen. No, the fastest, most efficient way is you turn left on the street, you head down, then you go south onto the intersection, you head north across town. That's the fastest, most efficient way. Right? Straight line doesn't work in life. So yeah, if we're sailing down the river of life and all of a sudden the left bend shows up, problem, adversity, challenge, something unplanned as opposed to the script that the left brain was trying to figure out and write, what do we do? We pull up our canoe, we get a shovel and we start digging a channel through the bank in a straight line. Not understanding that all we had to do was flow with the current, yeah, make some adjustments, not resist what has already happened because that's futile, make better decisions on how to deal with what's happened. And usually if you flow with that and practice a level of conscious non-resistance, the river will catapult you back around and you'll end up even faster than some muppet trying to dig a channel through the bank. Mm -hmm. That kind of works for me. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Well, I think that goes into some of the Zen philosophies, right? Non-attachment, surrender, things like that, um, that in the Western world, we're not really taught so much. And you know, what's coming up for me when I listen to you speak is that, okay, so we're in a virtual reality. I had Tom Campbell on the podcast. who's one of the leading physicists on talking Tom. about, yeah, talking about how we are in a virtual reality. Um, so if we are in a virtual reality, um, we're exploring consciousness and what consciousness is. And I'm sure that you've had, you know, different states of consciousness that you've been in through different experiences, whether it's meditation, I call the regular consciousness, taskless consciousness right now, because you wake up and you just problem solve and build your house and use the channel rather than that non-local mind is sitting in the river and you're flowing through it. So you kind of have this balance where you hit the bank and maybe you can use a stick to put yourself back into the middle, into the flow through different techniques. And so I guess that what I'd be curious about is if somebody is like listening to this, they're your, you know, they're your regular family, middle class. And they're like, okay, you know, I understand that I shape my perspective. I want to align myself with meaningful life for my existence and to be able to build, we need money right now. And, you know, as a part of it, that's where business comes in because you need, you need food to eat um, or you need money to buy food to eat. So that's where the, the money thing comes in. But we go a bit too far and get the secure job that we hate because we're getting this chip, forgetting how powerful we are when we can actually create the money um, with the river and what we like, like to build a business that you're proud of, like leaving your mark here, like what's possible for you? 
what are you capable of? What do you want to explore in this life? And so I guess uh, you can either talk about your book um, and, and some of the stuff in there, because I know it's going to be great. Or I just kind of wanted to give it back to you and like how you bring people through that process and maybe some of the, the common limiting beliefs people have. And then like they want to start today to move towards a more fulfilling life for them and, and some of the things that you teach and share. Cool. Thank you. And the first point to note here is that we can't bring anybody through anything, right? And we have no right to do so. And for some people, it's not this lifetime. Yeah. Some people are in the perfect place where they have to trip over and bang their head on the pavement in order to realize that yeah, they need to be responsible for tying their shoes. Uh, all we can be is the example and the invitation. And so yeah, from there, yeah, if we can help light the path, yeah, to allow others to exercise their free will to choose to follow, then that's obviously one aspect. And when it comes to raising consciousness, you can do more for the collective consciousness by raising your own than trying to drag everybody with you. And so, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the work of David Hawkins, yeah, power versus force. Uh, and yeah, the, the map of consciousness provides a really good anatomy to uh, allow people a context for understanding levels of consciousness. And so, and I write about that in my, my new book as well. But you know, when it comes to um, being able to uh, help people you know, through that, you know, becoming the example yourself, the first step really is to take responsibility because there's a, there's a dividing line, a clear-cut demarcation, a, a, a Rubicon that uh, is the most basic of transitions when it comes to growing up. And that is, egocentric, ethnocentric. Yeah, am I getting into business to earn a lot of money so that I can prove to the world I'm good enough so that I can have the toy, so I can get the significance, so I can get the ego stroke, so I can get the validation, the approval, the connection, the love I think I need and all that kind of stuff? Or am I getting involved because I want to make a difference because you know, whether they know my name or whether they don't, it's the right thing to do. Or this is a way I can express my passion or I can give the gift that I was given uh, and be able to make something of it. Uh, and from that perspective, yeah, it's, a, it's a whole different yeah, energy around it. Now, here's the key. You cannot criticize anyone for being either side of that line because you know, what's better, a five-year-old or a 10-year-old? Uh, a small oak tree or a big oak tree? An acorn or a sapling? There's no better or worse. They are just different expressions of potential along their own timeline. And again, it may not be this lifetime. So... If we're fortunate enough to come from a place where our level of consciousness we're perceiving is operating at a more evolved level than somebody else, the second we invoke spiritual ego over that and feel that we're more superior, we drop down to their level. So if you can come from a place of, of you know, helping, you know, holding up a mirror so that people can see their own greatness and invite them on that journey by being the example for yourself and knowing that every single level, just like years in school, has its own level of truth. See, what's true at one level of consciousness isn't true at another, and that's what people you know, that deal in absolutes can't get their head around. Oh, there's only one objective level of truth. Bullshit. If you come from a place on, let's say you're operating at apathy, which is not to be confused with what you're saying about the Zen principle of surrender. The Zen principle of surrender is more like mental Aikido. Yeah, where you're stepping alongside the adversity and, and you know, not being affected by it rather than trying to force through it in, in a karate type style. Yeah, so Zen is about flowing and surrendering to the, you know, to the power of what is 
and practicing conscious non-resistance, not putting your head in the ground and thinking, oh, well, if that's happened, there's nothing I can do about it. And that's, it's a different, different energy there for, for clarification. But if you're coming from a, a place where you're coming from apathy or, you know, um, uh, being depressed or, and somebody starts kicking sand in your face and bullying you, somebody operating at a higher level of consciousness at anger, which is still a destructive level, anger saying, what are you doing? Stand up for yourself, punch them back. Well, from an anger's perspective, that's a far more truthful and beneficial response than being an apathy and having sand kicked in your face. If you're operating at a higher level where now you are more, uh, let's say, diplomatic, you know, punching somebody in the face across the table at the United Nations is not an appropriate response anymore. For that level of consciousness, that level of truth, it's a different truth. Now, if you are operating at a, you know, a super high level of consciousness and having you know, someone slap you, turning the other cheek at that point becomes a strength beyond a strength, not a demonstration of weakness. Uh, every level carries with it its own truth. And the second we understand that, now, the second we stop comparing ourselves or trying to impose our own model of the world onto everybody else as the right one, we can start coming from a place of tolerance and less defensiveness. Because at that point, there's nothing to defend, there's nothing to attack, there's nothing to prove. You simply are. Yeah? And that's a far more powerful level than the force that's required to maintain false ego, you know, position, significance, you know, keep you down while I'm up, and all that kind of you know, crap that we do. But... Very few people, if anyone, is born at that level. So again, you know, if you wouldn't blame a five-year-old yeah, for, you know, or a three-year-old for screaming at the wardrobe because they think there's a monster in it because they've just woken up and out of a nightmare. No. And now, if you're 43 years old, probably a different story. But you understand it's that level that's true for them. So you don't judge them. Somebody that, and, and here's where we make the biggest mistake. We confuse biological maturity, yeah, chronological maturity, with emotional maturity. And the two aren't correlated. There is a lot of yeah, emotionally immature teenagers running around in very adult bodies. Why? Because school doesn't address this level of growth. It addresses knowledge acquisition, which simply gives you more tools to express behavior at the same level of consciousness. So being able to facilitate somebody else's growth by you being a custodian of their greatness will allow you far more opportunity to grow yourself and be the example and the invitation than judging somebody for being an acorn when you're on your third year of growth. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And I think that we waste a great deal of time and energy and effort doing that. And the best example that I give is, uh, is us politics. I'm Canadian. So when I've come down here it's a whole thing and these people will talk about these different opinions. And I think that um, if they were to listen to the other person and seek understanding rather than to be right and to want to mold their view onto somebody else, um, or if they used a little bit like one tenth of that energy to collaborate in community and support each other, like, okay, this is really great. We're both passionate. What are you looking to build in your life that you're super excited about? And then you, you change the conversation and use that same level of intensity. You can use that energy because 
every single day you have the same 24 hours. We all get that. And um, that energy that we have, some of it's physical energy and some of it's emotional energy. And the quality of conversations that you're having are affecting your reality and then also your own future. So if you're wasting your time judging and trying to convince somebody who from the perspective of the acorn is the acorn, it's not even wrong. It's their perspective, you know? And so if you seek understanding and listen to them and offer a perspective that they can have, you're doing them a service, you're doing yourself a service, and then you can focus your energy um, wherever you want. You're not attached whether they believe you or not because it's their own consciousness. It's their own experience. So hundred percent agree. Um, you can feel free to add on that or, you know, direct, I know we can go anywhere with you like quantum physics simulation. I'm curious about your uh, thoughts on like consciousness and time and also just the practical things of what processes can we do? You know, I've looked at, you know, we got technology coming in with, uh, binaural beats and uh, meditation and um, Wim Hof yogic breathing. Where do you see the limit if we're going through human potential? And for me, what success is, I define success for myself. You know what I mean? And I figure that out. Then I use different tools to achieve that success being fulfilled on the journey. You know, when I, when I teach uh, athletes for Zen athlete, it's like being fulfilled before you win the championship. You know, that will be the great thing that you're, you're looking to get, but be fulfilled the whole way. And these are the processes that you're going to do to be a champion because these are the best processes. So I'm curious if you can speak on some of those, whether it's beliefs, practices, principles, or um, even in the stuff of what you believe about the nature of consciousness, um, the reason for being and just exploring this life. Because I think that if we're in a simulation and we get this life experience, we realize what we're capable of doing over time, five years, 10 years. We know our values and what we want to build. And we have the faith to build it while we bump down the stream and fail because it's a part of it. Then we can live an extraordinary life by our own doing. And I think that that for me, it feels aligned in the way that I process this existence. Yeah. No, you're, you're one of the few. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we covered a lot of ground there. That's, um, let, me, let, me, let me jump in on one of the aspects of what you're saying about you know, trying to be you know, the championship before, before you win it. I, I sum that up in, in a statement, which is the, what I call breaking the curse of the white rabbit. You know, the, the, the white rabbit is the dog that's trying to catch the rabbit on the track, which of course it never will, because, not because it's not fast enough, not because it sleeps in the right kennel or have the right diet. It'll never catch the rabbit because the game is set up specifically so it can't catch the rabbit. Uh, that's that's the dog track now that's what i was mentioning earlier about people running around trying to catch the rabbit of fulfillment by running on the track of achievement and it's never going to happen they're mutually exclusive uh, so how do you break that curse very simple you congruently understand and adopt the belief that you already are that which you seek now when you know that when you come from that awareness the game changes you see, why do greyhounds chase rabbits on the track? Why? Because they were born to do it. Why do entrepreneurs build businesses? They were born to do it. Why do athletes go to war? Because they were born to do it on the track, right? Or in the cage or wherever it may be or on the slopes or the skateboard park. Why? Because that's what they were born to do. Now, win or lose, you don't see a dog at the end of the dog track say, you know, some, you know I've three races this week. I've won them all. I haven't slept and caught that damn rabbit. I quit. All right? No. Well, how are the dogs at the end of that? They're, they're ecstatic. They're on fire. They're loving life. Their tails are going on. They're panic. Why? They got to run because that's what they were born to do. The rabbit was a bloody excuse. 
Right? So, you know, what do entrepreneurs do? They're creative, risk-taking, problem-solving beings, right? Business is the vehicle which, which they get to express that with. You know, what do athletes do? They get on the track and they push their body past the physical limits, beyond endurance, when everyone else would stop. You know, why? Because that's what they were born to do. They, you know, the competition is just an excuse. It's an experience. It's a, it's a vehicle to be able to do that with and give their truth. So knowing that you already are that which you seek takes away the pressure, the insecurity, you linking your self-worth to the outcome. Because the second you do that, it induces doubt. And the moment you have doubt, yeah, your self-worth, uh, your energy drops. You now have less energy to put in the cage. You have less energy to put on the track, right? Because now you're focused on two things, running and winning, right? No, focus on running as fast as you can. And you look over your shoulder one day and think, wow, look, I'm winning more, right? Because you've now got more energy because you're not worried about losing. See, determination has nothing to do with winning. It has everything to do with self-expression, about getting a goal, about climbing to the top of the mountain. If you fall short by 10 feet and you give everything, good effort. You know, but if you've linked your life's goal to wearing the belt around your waist and you fall short, you're going to beat yourself up. Now, self-correction is okay. It's thinking, okay, maybe I've got areas to improve. How did I get beat? Let me have a look at that. Let me come back. That's still part of the athlete in you doing what the athlete does. But to get depressed because now that your childhood dreams in tatters and you feel you're a failure and it didn't go according to plan, whatever, the faster you get over that through knowing you already are that which you seek and you don't need a belt to validate it, the faster you get back in the game. But I've seen it take people out of the knees and never recover. Yeah, so... You know, being able and, and, and knowing how to work with the identity of an athlete, the identity of a warrior. I'm putting together a, an MMA mind course right now to allow people to be completely re-neuroprogram their mind around stuff like this to make them absolutely unstoppable, invincible warriors, regardless of what happens. Uh, and so it's not being pushed through desperation. See, heart doesn't come out through desperation. It does to an extent, but you're forcing it. Power is driven from something deeper. Yeah, when you see people that you know, are beaten up in the fifth round and it's all on the line and who is it that gets up and swings the bat? Who's got the biggest heart? That very rarely comes from desperation. That comes from a true heart of a champion that knows they're a champion irrespective of whether they wear a belt. Yeah, and so being able to have that level of connection to who you are means you have to unhook your self-worth from your net worth. You have to unhook yeah, your self-validation from external validation. And once you can do that, you're on track to become a winner. Yeah, you're on track to become an athlete, regardless of what the world says. Yeah, if I lost everything tomorrow, it'd be a damn good excuse to go again. You think I'd stop calling myself an entrepreneur if I went bankrupt? Nearly have many times, right? Of course not. Yeah, I'd simply be a bankrupt entrepreneur temporarily. Yeah, it's, it's, you, know, you think that's the end of the game? That's part of the game. So, you know, from, from that perspective, I think it's important to understand that our consciousness is the, the aspect that brings the most context yeah, to that. And how do you shape that? Uh, I mean, let's, uh, let's not get into the politics side because if there's one, there's two things I don't do, right? That I'm, I'm very well known for not doing. One is politics. I didn't even know Britain had a female prime minister until about two years after she was elected. I, I don't even know if she's still in power, but yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, a media. I don't do traditional media. I have no time for it whatsoever. Uh, but 
if you do want a little bit of a deep dive, depending on how left field you want to go, and I've got a feeling you can go left field, and I really can do this on certain podcasts, let's just answer your question as insightfully as I can to add some value to the people here as to why, not why you get frustrated coming down the border and seeing the you know, uh, Democrat-Republican show, you know, Punch and Judy show, but why it won't change. And there's two fundamental reasons that peg it where it is, because to you, it's obvious. And I lived in BC for three years, so I'm, I get the Canadian difference between that and, uh, and the US. But uh, the first reason it won't change is levels of consciousness. Uh, the people that are involved in politics are usually very egocentric, self-serving, because the nature of the game attracts people, even if they have the aspirations for wanting to contribute and do the greater good thing, you're working with a system that is geared to short-term populous yeah, placation. So a statesman will be unpopular in the moment for what they believe will serve the long-term greater good. Yeah, you imagine a three-year-old and a parent, and the three-year-old says, I want another ice cream. And the parent says, look, I'm a responsible parent. Dinner's on the table in 20 minutes, and you, know, you can't have one, and you know, don't want to rot your teeth and give you diabetes. You know, get the idea. So what do they do? The kid stamps its feet and screams hate at the parent. Does the parent then check into rehab or, or counseling thinking that their kid hates them? No. They recognize it's a natural expression of somebody that's coming from emotional immaturity. They'd probably do the same at their age. And one day when the kid's old enough to thank them uh, and, and not be fat, overweight, or diabetic and still have all of their teeth, uh, they'll, they'll operate in a great way. Right? That, 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 it'll be good. If the parent gives in to the child... That's irresponsible parenting in my book, right? Because the parent doesn't know how to handle yeah, what their own issues are of perceived lack of love in that moment from the child, right? So they'll pander to it. The political system is set up that the children can vote in new parents every four years. Unfortunately, that creates a relationship of parent-child that is all about pandering to the short term, avoiding criticism yeah, and distorting context so that the content is misperceived to support yeah, whoever's doing the distortion. So the level of consciousness itself will prevent the collaborations. But there's something much deeper at a metaphysical level that very few people understand, even fewer talk about, and that is the entire concept of egregores. Now, if you go to Wikipedia, an egregore is actually talked about as a separate energetic entity that is created as a group mind when that thought in one direction. And I don't want to go too deep into this because we could, but an egregore is created at the moment where the ideals and agenda of the um, entity is bigger and more important than the people that created the entity. Apple is a classic example. If I was to ask the audience, what is Apple? You get a thousand answers. It's a tech company. What does that mean? Yeah, what is Apple? That's what Apple does. It creates technology, but what is Apple? Oh, it's uh, a bunch of shareholders. Well, no, because you could change the shareholders for different people and Apple will still be Apple. Oh, it's the products. Well, no, they're the products. Right? Oh, it's a piece of paper with a signature on it and when it was incorporated. You know, all these stuff. No. What is Apple at its core? Excuse the pun. Right? It's an entity whose agendas and self-preservation and growth are more important than the ideals and the self-preservation, the growth of the entities or people that make up Apple, 
and the same for every political party, religious organization. And here's what an egregore is when you recognize it. It's self-interest to the point where it will kick you out if you try to go against the grain. Take Steve Jobs as a classic example, even if he founded it. So a political egregore, Republicans, Democrats, operate by certain rules. Every egregore does. How does it recruit more followers to give it more energy at the expense of other egregores? And the fastest way to do that is through inciting conflict. Once you're under the grips, yeah, mentally, at your level of consciousness, you're not even aware of it, that you're now a subscriber, a member of a certain egregore. It doesn't matter what the other party is. You will find a way to slag it off. You will find a way to yeah, be us to them, divide, conquer. Apple, Microsoft, yeah? uh, Google, Apple, yeah, Republican, Democrat, Christian, Muslim, doesn't matter. Uh, you will find the energetic signatures are exactly the same. And so when an egregore is as powerful as it is to, you know, in the US where you've got you know, 100 plus million people on both sides, and one minute they're having a great picnic together as family members, and the next minute it turns into a raging argument, right? was that them? No, totally under the spell. And here's the deal. The egregore doesn't care who wins the argument because all it's interested in is the nature of the energy of conflict, which goes to feed it. So can you, how do you collapse an egregore? Stop playing. Stop feeding it. How do you stop a fire? Stop putting fuel on it. What's the, what's the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, how can I put it? The, the transport mechanism that keeps feeding the fuel, right? The transport mechanism is justification. Uh, oh, no, but you don't care. Look what Donald Trump's doing. Oh, no, well, look what whoever the leader of the other parties are. I have no idea. It's probably not Hillary. I'm, I'm out of touch. Right? But, you know, you get the idea. It's like, yeah, I have no clue personally what's going on in the world because I don't do politics and I haven't read a newspaper or seen a news report in close to 20 years. I have every clue what's going on in my world because I'm in charge of that. And people say, oh, you know, what, but how do you know what's going on? You know, what do you, I say, you, you stupid. Give me a break. Let me tell you what's going on in the world. Everything is going on in the world. Right? If you take the Amazon rainforest at night, and you've got a flashlight. What's going on? Everything. Oh, look, here's a you know, snake eating a frog. Here's a hummingbird being born. Here's a tree falling over. Here's a flower you know, growing. Everything's going on. The question is, where do you want to put your flashlight? What do you want to focus on? Because that's under your control until you turn on CNN, constant negative news. Right, and become under the, uh, the, the directive of media, which don't have your best interests at heart. Yeah, they have a, I've got a whole video on YouTube about 20 minutes as the business model, why you shouldn't watch the media. But anyway, so from a political perspective, I, you know, oh, well, you should change it. Well, I got no right to change it. I don't want to change it. I've got no interest in changing it. Yeah, the only way I can change that is by being a better version of me. Right, and you know, I don't play the aggregate games. It's almost impossible not to be affected by them. But you know, I don't participate in, their, uh, in the fueling of that pendulum because you know, as soon as you start pushing and swinging, you know, it'll start to escalate. It's the only way around it. And people think that by pushing a pendulum harder, it'll stop it. You know? Amazing. You know, it's interesting because you're the first person to bring up Egregore and, uh, you know, I've looked at it a little bit and you touched on a lot of things there that I think are important. Um, 
You know, if you look at, let's say, the entity of Coca-Cola, right, and they say a corporate entity, like an energy. So if your job was uh, to cut down trees, right, and it's like Matt's business to cut down trees. I start the business, cut down trees, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden, I'm cutting down whole entire rainforests. The entity or the idea or business or corporation to cut down trees is now more powerful than me and my original idea. It's an extension of me. And doing some business training with a friend, what I really liked, um, he does brain training and it's really cool, but he says your business is an extension of you. So with my podcast, what we did at the beginning and, I, and when I started it out is to interview the most conscious, awakened, benevolent, wise, intelligent people of service to humanity and share their stories. That's the egregore I want to put out. So that as it goes beyond me, this service and this fulfillment is an extension of that idea. And we're not, we're not um, aware of this thing. And so the same thing is like you work for an insurance company, you're working for that energy, that original intention, and you become a slave or worker to that idea because now you don't even you know, know exactly what you're doing, why you're there. You're just, you're just serving this idea, this corporation, this entity, and it could be good, it could be bad. Um, but in politics, it's like so real and they're really going towards this thing that um, you're not really going to change. And what comes up for me is the quote by Buckminster Fuller is you don't change the world by fighting the old, you build it by building the new. And people would always say that to me too. Why aren't you looking at the news? Why aren't you doing that? Well, number one, it's fake. You know what I mean? And one of the major ways I was going to ask you this is how do we change the world? Um, media is huge and education is huge. If we can redefine our media, redefine our education towards something more meaningful, more cooperative, more real and more truthful, we can make change on this planet very, very quickly. But the people who control that narrative and that egregore are ones that want that separation, divide and conquer and uh, makes things really challenging. And one of the major ones from back in the day was the church. You know, you go in and, and you look at Scientology and uh, the way that they do it, it's designed in a certain way. Like, you no, know, if you want to believe whatever you want to believe, that's okay. I'm not challenging. You know, if it brings you closer to spirit and to God, whatever, but I'm looking at it from systems. You know, in Catholic, they say, if you don't believe this, you burn in hell for all of eternity. That may be true. I don't subscribe to that, but that's terrifying, right? And then if somebody has an opposing belief or an idea of what this is creating, you're not entertaining that. You're not seeking understanding. You're more into this entity or energy of what that is is defining rather than having your own experience, your own value set, um, you know, going out into the woods and experiencing life for, for your own, right? If somebody says, go into the woods and you got to watch out because you're going to get murdered and everything's terrible. You have that idea in your head or it could be like, hey, this is going to be a beautiful experience. You know, nature can teach you a lot. You're going to have a different idea as you move forward. So these, these subtle things, whether school, education, business are very important. And so I think that when you create a business because you're a businessman, that intention from within, when you make that, that meaning from within you, that energy, it doesn't matter if you fail because it means something to you. That's a part of the process. And I think that's important. So I, I didn't really formulate a question. You could, you could kind of go wherever you want or, or, um, or, or give me some feedback on that. But I think that's interesting. No one's ever mentioned that on the show. And I think it's subtle and it's powerful. And this goes into energies and entities and things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. You know, I study brainwash and what they do in TV. If I say, don't think about a purple rhinoceros, you have to. And we're getting all these subtle and not so subtle hip, hip 
hypnotic suggestions out in the world that we're not aware of. And if we become aware of them, we can take our sovereignty back, our consciousness back and create from our true identity, our stillness, our creation, not influenced by someone else's agenda. Not hundred percent. And again, it's you know, one person at a time. That's, that's how you change the world by, you know, the guy in the mirror. And, uh, you know, pleasure to, to, to be able to see somebody that's uh, a great reflection. So, yeah, well, well done on what you're doing, Matt. I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, in, in terms of where we go from here, you talked about, you know, certain beliefs around consciousness. Again, consciousness is, is primary. Now, I don't think anybody can argue that fact right now unless you're a dogmatic you know, scientist that gets more of their significance out of trying to stick with rule sets that you can boast about rather than be open to the fact that, you know, we've known since 1929 that particles aren't particles. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah don't get me started. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I talked about um, uh, adversity, um, uh, and I talked about, you know, uh, how to deal with that, and that's really the topic of, of, of the book, which is quite a unique book. Uh, it says he is a shameless plug, putting it up there. Uh, the Inside Track, and I'm very proud of this because we launched it only last week. Uh, we sold out uh, three suppliers in the first day, the first in 27 minutes. Uh, we went um, Amazon bestseller in two hours and number one in four hours. And um, we took orders from, I think it was 21 countries across five continents on the first day. I and mean, it's, it's just been so you know, um, touching uh, with regards to the, 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 the feedback uh, as to what's happened. And yeah, I'm just very blessed to be able to you know, uh, relay that. And the content of the book is very unique. It's the 11 letters that I wrote from prison last year. And as the only non-criminal in Britain's toughest jail. And it was uh, one of those bends in the river that I didn't see coming. Uh, I made zero contingency for. And I was arguing uh, the, the toss in court with a, a big multinational bully boy uh, that um, I suppose could remain nameless uh, as Hewlett Packard. And uh, yeah, they have a lot more money and, uh, and better lawyers. And we were arguing the toss over some business deals we'd done many years before in Dubai. You know, I bought $12 million of the goods, paid for them in full, resold them. And then they tried to apply retrospective contract terms saying I couldn't resell it, which was never in place. So that, uh, they then tried to sue me for $17 million out of the blue, six years later, knocking on my door in home and freezing all my assets. I'm like, whoa pulled me aside an hour later and says, look, we don't want to go to court. We'll settle for, you know, this tiny amount, which amounted to half the profit they thought I'd had on the deal. And it was just bullying, trying to teach me a lesson. Yeah, that, that was there. And they thought they could because they had the money. I kicked back. Uh, they threw a contempt of court application at me, which I really thought was just a chess move and it'd be laughed out of court in five minutes. I really didn't see it coming. And uh, learned a lot about how the court process went and ended up doing, uh, getting sentenced and doing six months um, just before my main seminar or you know, 53 staff that all then left. I mean, it was, this is last year and it was just, it was an incredible bend in the river. I didn't see coming a graduation event. And I remember when it looked like it was going the wrong way. And my, uh, my fiance turned around to me and she said, cause you know, I lost, my wedding was scheduled and everything all gone. And she said, what's going on? I says, I don't know, honey, but there's a chance I could go away here. Right. And she says, wow, well, what happens if you do? Cause we've made no contingency. Right. And I'm like, and I thought about it and I said, well, honey, if I do, I do, but you've got to understand something. She goes, why is this happening? I said, well, a lot of, you know, I've been very blessed. A lot of people around the world for many years have seen my work, you know, and they've benefited from it. You know, I've got hundreds of thousands of fans, millions of views and, and all the rest of it. I says, and I, I get a lot of feedback and I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful that I'm able to help a lot of people. I said, but probably a lot of the people I could help the most never get access to my work, uh, especially if they're in a place like that. 
Yeah, if life wants to send me in there to make me go and you know, do some magic, let me go. And I never went in for one second with the identity of a prisoner. I went in with the identity of a secret agent of change. And every two weeks I wrote to my high level coaching students and my clients, my, my coaching group saying, look, let me take you on this journey. I don't know why it happened. Well, you know, I know why it happened because it's a graduation event. Yeah, but I can't, I, you can't change what has happened. Yeah, you can't spill, you know, can't complain about spilling the milk. That's futile. You can't put it back in the bottle. Yeah, you can deal with how to yeah, clean it up. You can't go back in time. So listen, this is obviously an opportunity for me to demonstrate some stuff that clearly I need to learn and yeah, be able to demonstrate that I can teach uh, and, and practice as well as you know, talk about on stage in front of cameras. So every two weeks I wrote to them and it's kind of part journal, part diary, part how to with the best skills that I've learned in 30 years of personal growth to be able to walk around you know, one of the most violent prisons in Europe with a smile on my face making magic. And yeah, I was very blessed by the end of that I came out, I won a national award for you know, the stuff I did in there. Uh, it's funny, I was emailing back and forwards with the governor today. They're taking on a, a whole series of initiatives that I've done, including a new prisoner welcome booklet I designed to change the mindsets of everybody going into prison. That uh, 2000 then went into various prisons last week. Um, and I, I stopped people committing suicide. Uh, and not just doing that, I broke down every aspect of what I was doing from a how-to perspective. Yeah, volume seven, the seventh letter I wrote is the suicide. And I, I break down the intervention. What goes on in the mind of somebody who wants to kill themselves so you can recognize it? What language patterns was I using? What was my context? How was I moving? How in 10 minutes can I change somebody's life? Not because I'm special. I've just got a little bit more practice than some people in that area. You know, I was just trained for Tony Robbins for 15 years. You know, I, I did a lot of stuff uh, in intervention work. And, you know, I put it all together in, well, all together. It's the, it's the exact 11 letters that I wrote, um, which was never meant to be published. But when I came out, they turned around and says, listen, you have to, you know, you have to uh, share this with the world. And you know, I'm very grateful. I got a New York Times bestselling author to, to, today send me a message saying just the first two chapters in, it's the most incredible thing in personal growth they've ever read. Yeah, and they're a big name. And, and I'm just very humbled by the feedback. So yes, uh, you know, as a legacy to try to help as many people as I can, give the best tradecraft and skills and how to, as well as a bit of a gripping storyline to it as well, which is all real. I mean, you couldn't make it up, but it's all real. Um, uh, I was very pleased that, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest gift I can give to people watching right now if they want to go and take my work a little further. Holy smokes. That's, a, that's amazing. It sounds challenging. You're about to, you're about to get married. Um, I, I think the, my favorite part is going into, in, going into jail with the perspective of being a secret agent of change. And I have thought in my mind of like, what if, what if that happened to me someday for whatever reason? Um, you know, how would I do that? And I was like, well, I could learn a lot. You know, I have a lot of time. Um, I'm so busy now. So I was like, that's one of the positive perspectives, but you're, you're putting it in action. I think that's powerful. Um, to, and in an absolutely incredible story. And one thing that I like as well is that you talked about um, people who would not necessarily um, have access to this information. I think that culturally, we tend to ignore the homeless. We tend to ignore people who would see CD characters or whatever and write them off. And uh, I don't know if this is true in the UK, but I think that it needs to be um, put in the public awareness to know that in USA, incarceration is a private business. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't see a problem with that, if you don't yeah. register that it's a private business and courts have to do with a banking and a banker maritime sea law it has to do with a debt 
So they're creating debt through, uh, I forget what they're called, uh, just the minor crimes or, you know, it's not, you killed somebody, you know, you harm somebody. Those, those are different. You don't want to harm them, but you know, marijuana grows on the gross, you know, um, just, just these things and putting people in jail. So that's, that's very important. And I think that we tend to forget as a society that there's groups, millions of people that could use this type of support and help. And that if we can do a little bit to look at the homeless, to look at the people who need our help and actually take an action, that's a very powerful thing. And, and uh, so I'm glad that you're doing that. Do you want to share anything from the book as far as principles or dive deeper on, on any of that? I, I know there's a lot in there, but I don't, I think the suicide one with kids, that's one that touches me because, you know, the reason why I wrote my book was to get this to youth, you know, to make them fulfilled. There, somebody reached out to me because a, a UK athlete, a snowboarder girl, I think, I don't know if she's UK or Australian, just committed suicide. And it was through the stress of competition. Snowboarding is supposed to be fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who is ruining that? What the hell is going on? So I'm just curious if you could maybe share a couple of insights that you feel would be useful. Well, the, the, the biggest challenge with, with suicide is the fact that, um, or the most common underlying factor is that people feel they don't have a compelling future. Mm. Uh, and they're in pain right now. And the pain almost, almost always is psychological pain. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see people that want euthanasia because they want to get out of chronic pain, physical pain. And that's, that's a different deal. But most people's pain is mental. And it's because the outer world doesn't fit any of the pictures of their, what their inner world says it should look like. Or they future pace scenarios and everyone leads to pain. Yeah, and if I stay where I am, I'm in pain. I go left pain, right pain, front pain, back pain. The only way out of pain is to kill myself. Yeah, very occasionally, there'll be, so, there'll be someone that calibrates at such a high level of, uh, of uh, anger that they, can, that they may do it as a statement. Yeah, but that's very, very rare. Most suicides come down to not having a compelling future. And if you can open up a doorway of possibility for someone, whether it's even the possibility of a compelling future, suicide is no longer really an option. Yeah, but if you've got pressure on you and you feel that that's, there's no way out, and, every, you know, and if yeah, I go down this door and it's so terrible because I'll be judged, I'll, be, yeah, I'll make my parents yeah, yeah, hate me and yeah, I'll never make anybody proud or I'm worthless or uh, yeah, being worthless is a close cousin of nothing to live for. Yeah. So yeah, there's so many different aspects of the psychology around that. Navigating somebody through it really has to do with one, one of the first ways is to try to take the focus off themselves. Yeah. Almost all stress comes from us being too focused on ourselves. Yeah. Most mismanaged imagination uh, in terms of stress. Yeah. I'm not saying if somebody, uh, yeah, all of a sudden you lose your best friend. Yeah. That's not being focused on yourself. You could be in stress there. Yeah. But yeah, the psychology around that is still, yeah, processing a level of, of grief that's healthy or using it as a story as to why you're a victim because, you know, I watched my friend die in front of me. Uh, and that then becomes your excuse for uh, not being able to grow through that past into courage and then using that as an example to help others, for example. So, you know, suicide is a, a very interesting topic. And again, I don't want to go too much into it here apart from giving some basic parameters because I don't want people to yeah, go out half cocked as it were because sometimes you can do more damage if you don't understand what's really going on you know i break it down in the book and i give a lot of uh context and uh useful information there and one of the biggest issues as well is allowing people to get stuck in their story if you hear from somebody that they're you know, why they're the victim and you give them an opportunity to vent that or demonstrate that you're allowing them to simply reinforce it so you need to be able to have enough information to allow you to understand the patterns that are going on that'll allow you to see where to navigate them through a better pathway 
but not get enough information so that they feel that they're now just validating themselves as being right. Yeah. Yeah. In movie terms, you, you want the trailer, not the movie. Uh, so, uh, and that there's a, a certain amount, amount of elegance required in order to be able to stop somebody from you know, trying to run the whole movie. But once you've got why somebody's upset, recontextualizing the event or the circumstances is a far faster way of being able to empower them out of the learned helplessness that most suicidal people are in than you know, being able to change the circumstances that they are you know, trying to shift or blaming for their current depression uh, to the point where they want to kill themselves. Again, it's like, oh, you know, all my water's you know, uh, the wrong color, right? Well, change the glass. Yeah, you change the glass, everything changes. You change the way you hold it, everything changes. Yeah, and yeah, one of the people that I was working with wanted to commit suicide because he was so depressed that yeah, he'd lost his dad. His dad was his best friend. Yeah, and, you know, and I mentioned the fact that you know, it's every parent's wish that their children outlive them. You know, we clearly never get to choose when, and it's always too soon. But if he killed himself for that reason, then it would be basically tearing up his dad's last wish. Now, when you start seeing it from that perspective, it's like, oh my God, yeah, I'm doing it because I miss my dad, but how would I then dishonor him even more if I did this? Because it was his dad's death that would essentially trigger the son's yeah, suicide. Yeah, now you have a different way of holding it. Yeah, you want to commit suicide because you know, you've got a wife who's got a, you know, a one-year-old uh, daughter, uh, um, and yeah, you'll now abandon them because you're in prison. You got she's pregnant. Next one's due. You're going to miss the birth and the first year of her life. You feel so distraught as a failing of an identity of a father that you just want to kill yourself, essentially to say sorry. Well, yeah, and, and that's a form of redemption because they don't think they can do anything else, and that'll prove how sorry I am, right? As opposed to understanding that you know the thing you could, you know, if you ever got a chance to choose. Um, you know, when to go to jail, if you could ever choose, you pick a time your kids couldn't remember. Yep. Score one. All right. Second thing is if you were to kill yourself, your daughters would grow up not thinking, Oh, dad was so sorry. He killed himself. They, they wouldn't hear that. They'd just simply grow up thinking, right. Daddy didn't love us at all. In fact, he cared so little about us. He never wanted to see us grow up. They'd probably grow up with a, a wound in their soul that was so bad that either you know, get on heroin to try to fix it or attract somebody in their life that treats them like crap because they have such low self-esteem, end up in jail themselves and may even kill themselves because that was the example that they left. Boom. As soon as they see that pathway, right, you've linked pain to the continuation of the pattern. You open up a separate door. What lesson could you give as a father? How about that when shit happens, as it does, you can come out of it stronger, right? That you learn by your mistakes and move forward. What if two little girls got that as a lesson from their dad rather than the fact he didn't love them? What kind of different life do you think they would live? Like, oh, bang. Is he going for suicide at that point? God, not even on the table. Right? And then there's various other aspects. But you get, you get the point. It's about recontextualizing the situation. And, and I'm being obviously respectful of the time because I know we don't have much left now. I, I, want to, uh, I, want, I don't want to go too deep into stuff, but it gives you an idea. And if you want more and a, and a lot of other insights like that, then you know, I really encourage you. Uh, any money that comes from this, by the way, goes to feed the, um, uh, the initiatives I do for the Prisoner Welcome booklet. And if you want to read what's in here, there's a story in here that, that really helps everybody get over adversity uh, from the prison perspective. Um, I've put this online so you can just download it. It's at um, petersage.com, my website, forward slash chrysalis, uh, which is in you know, Butterfly, because I, I called it Operation Chrysalis to try to transform the prisoners. I'm there, and that's to say, I'm very pleased that's going into a load of prisons right now, and hopefully around the world. 
uh, for, for anyone that wants to ch- know any prisons or charities that want to participate in that, go, um, go play. That's amazing, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. And what, what comes up for me is uh, Victor Frankl's book, The Man's Search for Meaning. And he was in a concentration camp. And, and one of the, the quotes is, uh, you can take everything from a man, but the last and greatest of the, is the, of the human freedoms is to choose your perspective in any situation. It's not word for word, but that's the idea. And that's what you're, you're sharing. And that's, you know, with, again, the Zen athlete, what I want to teach a kid is like, you might miss every basketball shot. Your girlfriend might break up with you. Life might get terrible but what you can control is what you're sharing is the contact and i'm sharing perspective it's the same idea and if you can learn to shift things as as they happen because there's things outside of your control to a powerful what is the most powerful positive empowering perspective you can have in this situation and you're like okay i'm driving my mercedes or whatever going down the street you're going to jail oh shit you know what i mean it's it's like Uh, what am i gonna do it's like oh god when they they let me when they let you out like 45 minutes a day i'd walk down the wind and uh, and the officers would say uh how are we doing today mr sage right because they know what my response would be and it was genuine and i was fully congruent i'd be like living the dream (laughs) and everybody would laugh Right? Why? Because it's the, it's the rarest sound you'll hear in prison, by the way. But, you know, because I was, I was there, I was being able to see things I'd only ever seen on movies. You know, I was doing good work that I'd never get to do anywhere else. I was testing my, some of my skills in an area I've never been tested before so I could grow myself. You know, all of that. Um, you know, so, you know, all, it was, you know, I, I was living the dream. Yeah, I, nothing I can do about it. I, I was simply on location for six months filming the prison scene of my movie. Yeah, it was a field trip. Yeah, that's, that's how I saw it. And, you know, I deal with everything when I came out, you know, all of the legal fees that I was drowning in and you know, all of the other stuff and my staff and my business gone and my reputation took a hit because nobody understood the context. And as soon as I came out, by the way, all of the initial allegations got, got dropped as I knew they would. Yeah, never made it to court because it was never about that. Yeah, I was, ne- I was never, never about Hewlett Packard losing money. It was about them trying to be greedy to get some more. Right? And so, yeah, when people saw how I showed up inside, it made a massive shift in terms of my fan base and, and loyalty because yeah, I'm very grateful I had the opportunity for people to hold a space for me to, to then you know, um, you know, allow me to demonstrate who I really was rather than what you know, the media tried to you know, uh, twist it for at the time. Uh, so yeah, it's, but yeah, living the dream. And by the way, I had several copies of Victor Frankl's books sent into Pentonville to be able to hand out to prisoners. And one of my challenge, yeah, one of the, in the first chapter, I talk about contrast frames yeah, and the power of contrast frames. And one of my first um, things I did was I was giving books to uh, Man's Search for Meaning to people and challenging them to read that book and not cry with gratitude for being in Pentonville and not Auschwitz, you know? And yeah, it shifts your perspective quite quickly. You know, would you rather have a graduation event by being sent to prison for six months? Would you rather have a graduation event of a stage four cancer diagnosis? Because the lessons inherent in both of them were probably similar. Yeah, get through one or get through the other. Pick your poison, right? Because would you rather have an exam on maths today or physics today? Yeah, you're in earth school. We're here to learn the lessons we need to learn. And when people come from that place, they can relax and enjoy the ride. And yeah, you're going to hit rocks. And yeah, you're going to get boarded by pirates. And yeah, you're going to sail through. And sometimes the port's going to be there and there'll be a drag. It's part of the game. Enjoy the, yeah, become a sailor. You know, Cast your, your anchor. Go play the game of life. Don't try to hide out because life will find you and slap you, you know, if you don't want to play. You know, it's like shy people. What is shy? Shy is, please don't let you discover me because I'm scared of being judged, right? And how much of a game do shy people play in life, right? A miserable one. Uh, 
they don't get that they reject themselves more than anybody else could, and therefore they've already lost before they start playing. But their brain doesn't tell them that, right? Because they've got this racket going saying, oh, I'm playing safe, right? Shake them up, get them in the game, go play, right? And if you can come at life from that place, I promise you, yeah, it's only the low levels of consciousness where the lessons tend to be more painful. You start rising up, and even if you go to prison, you can walk in with a smile. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Trust me, I know. Oh my God. Well, that all of that was brilliant, man. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this stuff. I'm going to throw some stuff back at you. I'm going to be respectful of your time. I could listen to you talk all day. I have no problem. So just go as long or as little as you wish. But, you know, you talked a little bit about um, motivation factors. Um, I'm curious if you just want to summarize anything you want to leave the listeners with, your website, but um, just your your core, everything you've learned in personal development, uh, core principles, like overcoming fear, right? The shyness, self-worth, and how to live an amazing life. Like if you want to sum, summarize that, you can. You can ab- elaborate for 10 hours, which you can if you wish. Um, but I wanted to get your ideas on that. But no, I mean, there's so many places you could go. I mean, some of my core beliefs, and I outline these again in the book when I talk about building an empowering psychology, because you have global beliefs. Yeah, again, I, do you believe the universe is looking after you or not? Yeah, that, that one shift in belief as a parent belief will determine whether you think something's happening as it's a bend, an exciting bend in the river or, you know, you, you're, uh, nature's trying to rain on your parade. Yeah, and, uh, understand that nobody has, you know, can do anything to you emotionally without your permission. Yeah, if you're mixing your self-worth and your net worth together, you're always going to come from fear when it looks like you may lose some money, so you may compromise your values around money faster than anything else. Yeah, when you believe you already are that which you seek, yeah, you win freedom. Yeah, when you train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose, knowing that nothing in the physical world, yeah, has its destination in permanence. Yeah, the very definition of something being physical means its destination is non-physical. When you understand that, you can start letting go of your death grip on, on you know, clinging hold of this thing we call life. You realize that death is not the opposite of life. It's simply the opposite of birth, and we go play another game somewhere. Right? No, one, no one's escaping that, even Houdini. Mm, so it's, it's obviously set up for some reason that perpetuates because we're here. Right? When you understand that you know, when it comes to you know, trying to change the world, our job is to look in the mirror. Right? Be the invitation. Don't try to force your agenda on everybody else. Yeah, invite them by being the example and your life will start working out better. Start having a little bit more tolerance for the acorns just because you're a sapling, right? If you start thinking you're superior, right, I've got news for you. Life will, life will bring a drought, right? So, you know, there's so many different core aspects that go to developing the empowering psychology, but having a context for understanding that we're here for a reason, you have a purpose. It's not to make more money than your neighbor. It's not to prove you're good enough by driving a better car that you can't afford or spending all your money on trying to convince other people you've got more money yeah, and, and playing the game of getting the more. Yeah, it's not about caring about what other people judge you. Why? Because nobody cares enough about you to bother to judge you. They're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them. Wake up. Yeah, and when we come from that place of freedom, it's like, ah, oh, okay, now let's go give my gift. Yeah, and you play the game at 10% of what I've just said, and your life will change. Beautiful. I'm glad I seeded that because that was amazing. You summarized a lot there, man. Well, I agree with all that. I appreciate that. Um, PeterSage.com, 
Um, right. That's where people can check out your book and your work. Um, thank you for what you're doing for empowering people and for being the example and sharing your message. Uh, it was a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. So thanks for coming on. Matt, thank you. You're one of the most progressive levels of consciousness on a podcast host that I've come across. Your willingness to go to places and add value to the audience, no matter where they're at, is inspiring. Yeah, thank you for yeah, giving me the opportunity to share some of my crazy thoughts yeah, with people that hopefully can take something out of it. My pleasure, and thank you very much. Well, thank you guys for listening. Catch you in the next one. Brilliant. And there you have it, guys, the incredible Peter Sage. I know that if you listen to that one, holy crap, we covered a lot. So if you enjoyed the episode and you found value, please share this on your Facebook, share it on social media, talk about it, tag me, do all that kind of thing. The best thing that you can do is do an act of kindness and tell me about that. I love that. Tag me in that. Doing, say, Matt Belair acted, not my name, geez, that's stupid. Just, just act of kindness. You know, doing an act of kindness, but I do like knowing that you're doing it. It makes me feel like the podcast is working. The more I know I see acts of kindness, the more I know that the podcast is working, the intention behind this is working. So um, if you want to hashtag three acts of kindness um, and tag me in that and just do that and, and, and challenge three friends, do three acts of kindness and challenge three friends to do it for one day or even a week. That's even better. Um, three acts of kindness a day. Go out of your way to do it. Don't tell anybody. Challenge three friends to do it. Uh, tag me in it. And let's let's I'm going to hold that. Let's just make that as viral as we can get. I'm setting that intention right now. Done. So three acts of kindness a day. Don't tell anybody. It's the week challenge. Um, um, and you know, tag three friends in it and encourage them to do it because why not? And I do believe this is my thought from studying with the Native American elder, a twenty thousand year lineage, David Lone Bear Senapas. Um, if you do three acts of kindness a day, you do it right. You don't tell anybody. You go out of your way to do it. Um, I do think that many of you will experience what I refer to as a universe, universal wink, like something weird will happen in regular reality that goes, "Hey, man, or lady." You're doing a good job. That's the idea. You know, no matter what you believe, what you think, where you are spiritually, how much you meditate, how aligned your chakras are, what kind of crystals you're wearing around your neck, um, whatever you believe, Buddhist, monk, Muslim, Christian, atheist, none of that matters if you give a buck to a homeless person. None of that matters if you get somebody's name, right? That's an act of kindness. So you can get somebody's name, let somebody in in traffic. You can listen to somebody. You can send a kind note. You can give a compliment. Um, You can pick up a piece of trash. You know, you can do do a triple whammy. Like when you go get a coffee, um, get the person's name, bam, one. You're being a human being. Congratulations. We all need to freaking do that a little bit more. Um, Then you buy two coffees, bam, and you give that to somebody else. And that energy, when somebody receives it and they go to get a coffee and they're like whoa somebody somebody paid for this and it's going to stun them and like wow and that's the energy they're going to get from that it's like wow what a kind gesture that's that's great um that's a beautiful little bit of energy to give somebody um and then pick up a piece of trash you see probably in most cities you uh are in the world there's gonna be trash bam you just crushed out three acts of kindness in one day and so check it out try it out and uh if you accept the challenge um tag me on facebook and let me know or or on instagram say the three acts of kindness challenge we can tag that three acts of kindness challenge that works is it because i'm not um I, and I just want kind of want to know if you're doing it because then again, I know the more people are doing this, the more the message is getting out. So do that. I just got into a rant. Um, so please check out David Lone Bear Senapass, the podcast we've done, LoneBearsArts.com, Ancient Echoes. We need help. He has incredible technology. He sent balloons into space. We're looking for benevolent investors, um, anybody who can help in any way, web, video, uh, administrative assistant. We're doing the best we can. And it, his stuff is incredible. So check it out for yourself. I'll send you a file. 
He has pictures with the Dalai Lama. Invented a three-pole magnet. Um, you know, it's like it's ridiculous. When you look, has advanced mathematics that I vetted with Robert Grant. Check out Robert Grant. That is one smart mofo, like the smartest. Um, so check all that out. You can you can look for yourself right in the face. So we do need people to take action and help. We do need help. So um, I need help. David needs help. Uh, so if you want to contribute in any way, Matt at zenathlete.com, and I would uh, love and appreciate you. So I think that's it. Sign up for the email list. Check out zenathlete.com because that book is dope. Uh, I wrote it. It's great. It's a guide to self-mastery. Um, I think that's it. Um, Patreon, thank you guys so much. And uh, that's it. We're going to just close it up. That I don't care about anything else right now. So wherever you are in the world, let's just set the intention to come to peace and coherence because that's how you do it, through your breathing. So wherever you are, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath and seeing a powerful golden light from the universe coming down, connecting you to source and spirit and pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the self-criticisms and self-doubts. Taking another deep breath in through the nose as you see energy from the earth coming up supporting you, knowing you are of the earth and you are a spiritual being connected to spirit and thinking about one thing that you are really grateful for, imagining a world that you could imagine in the most beautiful, harmonious way if you were a wizard and you could do whatever you want with it, getting excited about that world and that gratitude and let that breath out slowly with all the limitations, all the doubts, all the unworthiness, anything and just letting it out slowly, taking one more deep breath in through the nose and amplifying that gratitude, that energy. And I want you to send that energy out to your friends, to your family, to your enemies, to everybody you've ever met, to everybody on the podcast, to the entire country you're in, the town, to the entire world, just sending positive energy, vibes, contribution, letting your heart resonate. And I'm sending you all of my love, energy, encouragement, well wishes, support, letting you know that you are whole, balanced, harmonious, perfect, just as you are. You have every right to be here on the planet and enjoy your experience. So tons and tons of love. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. Please do an act of kindness today. I love and appreciate you. And I will see you in the next episode.